decades, the watchwords for a successful supply chain were lean management and just-in-time delivery. It was a global model that promised agile customer service while providing cost and operational efficiencies. Then came Brexit, the pandemic, as well as the war in Ukraine. Lean supply chains ran into supply shortages, capacity issues, as well as greater scrutiny. So looking ahead, digital and decarbonisation will bring new challenges that are keeping this topic as a top of mind for the boardroom. So where to start with all of this? I'm Rowena Morris and I'm joined today by PwC partners Fred Akufo from our supply chain and operations team, as well as Cara Happy, leader of industry for manufacturing and automotive, to find out how we can move to mature, resilient, as well as responsible supply chains. It's great to have you both in our virtual studio today. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you, Rowena, and hello to all our listeners. Hi, Rowena. Um, great to be with you. Lovely to have you both with us today. So let's just get into it. Cara, I think it's fair to say that the automotive industry is a great example of where we've seen a lot of the challenges and disruption around supply chains really playing out. Can you give us a bit of a snapshot on how some of the headlines we've been reading have been translating into boardroom challenges for us? Yeah, no, absolutely. The automotive industry, I think, has been in the headlines um, in the newspapers and and what we're seeing as an example of supply chain um, issues. And I suppose in actual fact, being talked around around kitchen tables as well as people think about how to get um, their new car, whether old or new, um, and how long that's also taking. So clearly there is a kind of stress in the system. Um, I think in the UK automotive industry, you know, this is something that's been talked about for longer than that, unfortunately, because of Brexit and the critical challenges that brought. However, that did give um, a lot of my clients a visibility and an awareness before actually this sort of the pandemic started. So I think, you know, this has been an ongoing issue. People are very aware of where the supply chains are now, but yet there's always something new, it feels, on the horizon. And unfortunately, with the war in Ukraine, one of the examples that that's highlighted is the amount of safety harnesses um, made for the world's automotive industry in Ukraine itself. So therefore, how people think for the future about how to ramp up in other areas quickly, but also think about how that affects resilience um, in a supply chain globally. Um, because who knew before now that that was the amount of suppliers in Ukraine in that one particular product area? Yeah, it's really shone the spotlight on it, hasn't it? And Fred, we were talking just before we started recording, we could talk for a long time around the resilience of supply chain. But can you talk a little bit through, um, I guess, your observations on that? Thank you, Rowena. Yes, I mean, just to reiterate um, your opening, over the last five years, like we've seen, we've been faced with Brexit, we've been faced with the pandemic, you know, more recently, of course, the Ukraine war, and, and we continue to face further lockdowns in, in China. And look, until these events, again, as you, as you mentioned, the focus of supply chain and procurement has been very much about time to market, getting product to market quickly, um, and also based on just-in-time inventory in, in, so that organizations could and can keep their inventory levels low. All of this being measured through working capital in terms of uh, inventory and also on-time delivery. But it poses a lot of challenges now based on based on where we are. Um, the real challenges for the boardroom we're seeing is, is how to really get the executive team working effectively together. Things are changing so quickly that um, it's very hard to get financial insights balanced with um, changes in customer demand, uh, changes in because of or due to supply disruption. So it makes aspects of scenario planning rather difficult to, to achieve for our clients. And we're seeing quite a lot of this and we're in a great position to, to help drive that for clients. When faced with impacts of you know, scope three 
emissions, so um, how to address changes in regulation, for example, or to adapt to new trends due to customer impacts around the circular economy. I mean, these are some of the conversations that we're having on a daily basis with clients and trying to find ways to support the existing operational teams to, to really address management business reviews um, at the executive level. And Cara, you had a great story that we were talking about that um, really brought this point around um, resilience to supply chain and thinking creatively to life. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So one of the the anecdotes, um, which I've not yet proven uh, one way or the other, was actually one of the um, one of the companies that builds um, lithographic uh, machines um, for the involved in the fabrication of chips um, was doing its sort of annual earnings call. Um, and it's not yet known yet whether the CEO made a bit of a joke or not um, about kind of um, where companies kind of taking apart other products that had um, chips in them, rip, ripping them apart to use for um, other industrial modules, um, e.g. E e potentially the auto industry. Um, so, you know, I think it's interesting just what what levels people will be going to now to think creatively. Um, you know, there's obviously a massive um, recycling point in this, you know, are we actually recycling enough of the precious metals and things that are around some of our homes in the world um, or other places to make sure that we're kind of utilizing precious metals and things that we need for chips in, in as good a way as we can. So, you know, I think it's very interesting that supply chain very much hits an ESG question quite quickly and not just in, you know, kind of climate and other ways. This is actually about kind of a very wide um, view on, you know, are we doing the right things across the planet in mining and other and in recycling? So, you know, um, conversations on this can go very broad. And that links nicely to my next question. I wanted to touch on how you move to that sort of responsible as well as resilient and mature supply chains. And I guess, Fred, it'd be interesting to get your perspective on what we're seeing that model actually move to. We've touched on the decision making aspect. Absolutely. I mean, the underlying basis is organizations need to go through some level of um, planning transformation and operations transformation as well in order to build maturity in the supply chain. And, and to us, really, maturity is the foundation for, for building and assessing resilience, modeling resilience across the organization and across the network. But it's also a way to start to then be able to quantify um, ESG. What we're seeing is that traditional approaches to integrated business planning, for example, or sales and operations planning, really has to be upended to an extent because new technology is just making it so much more possible to, to move to an event-based uh, planning and organization across your end-to-end -end supply chain. We're now able to get that real-time granular data and also to alert a different uh, when different events occur in the supply chain. A couple of examples I could say. So, you know, due to the disruption in the supply chain from the Ukraine war, we can very quickly begin to assess uh, multi-tier uh, supplier risk and feed that across the supply chain network in order that we can reorganize and look at different resilient strategies, whether it be onshoring, uh, moving to second tier production facilities but also real-time transport and logistics data that can influence our deployment plans and our vehicle scheduling plans and really make a difference to last mile delivery. So overall, I mean, this is the aim is really to enhance the productivity um, of the organization. And again, when we look at technology, we've got RPA, but as you rightly say, decision automation is now starting to really take over the more micro uh, planning decisions. And 
it really gives us room and gives the executive team room to to make the macro decisions uh, and really focus on getting that right. And Cara, I guess auto are going to be very good at planners and project managers and being on top of, you know, the line items and the cost. But could you bring that to life in terms of what you're seeing from that sector? Yeah, no, I think um, you're absolutely right. You know, automotive um, and manufacturers generally are, you know, very good planning systems, project management, engineering thought. Um, you know, yet I also, you know, like to point out, you know, how much innovation has gone through that industry. So actually people who've, you know, really transformed the product they're making, the change to electric, autonomous, so everything else that's been going on. And therefore, you know, I think, this aligns with that. I think the capabilities out there to cope with this and deal with it, but it's, um, you know, it takes time. Um, I think the data, um, as Fred, Fred said there, the data available now and the decisions that can be made with proper insights, um, you know, is there for, for, for everyone. I'm not sure that each of the companies that I work with would be on different spectrums of how much they use that or how much they can get access to it quickly, but definitely um, have come a long way. And I think, therefore, how we put that into, you know, the ESG angles of that. So actually, we know every part. Do we know the miles it's travelled? Do we know um, how it's been produced? You know, I think that's obviously um, coming at our industries as well. Um, and therefore, you know, just really interesting point to kind of how people will make decisions in the future. And as you said at the start, Rowena, you know, this used to be about just in time and very much procurement around cost and, you know, delivery. Um, actually, you know, I don't, you know, I think it's forming what will be the model of the future that, you know, that is the best one, because clearly it needs to have a lot more about the resilience. It needs to take into account a lot more about um, other factors. And therefore, I think, you know, it is interesting to say at this moment in time, what will, you know, what will be that that model for the future that 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 everyone should move to. But I, um, I'll, I'll say um, determinedly that, um, you know, automotive will be in a good place on that and there will still be a kind of way to learn from them like, like others have in the past. And it's a nice link there. So, and this might be a trickier question to answer, but given the complex challenges, um, we really like to leave our listeners with something that they can really put into action to tackle the challenges that we've talked through. So Fred, coming to you first, what would your advice be for listeners around how to deal with some of the things we've talked about? For me, it, it would very much be to just to ensure that you have a supply chain roadmap that focuses on building uh, your maturity um, to address the challenges, as well as the improving the existing practices and ways of working. And the aim of this is to really just to be able to leverage decision data, but also to, as I said before, to automate the smaller decisions and then to inform the operations planning on a daily, on a weekly basis, but also to underpin the decisions in the management business review. So it's not necessarily to go out um, all out from the outset, but it's to ensure that you have a clear roadmap in place that uh, is a stepwise program towards transformation. That's great advice. Thanks, Fred. And Cara, how about you? Yeah, I think for me, it's, um, you know, just to build on that point, I think it is very much about, you know, this is now boardroom level discussion, which it's not always been. So therefore, thinking about, you know, building that model for the future, using the, you know, the crisis to kind of actually think, well, what would we need? How does that work for the future? And we know in automotive that people, um, you know, make decisions about platforms a long time out and actually, you know, what, what will we need? 
in three to five years time and actually just be thinking about that as as these um crises are met and i think that's easy for me to say actually if you need to solve something quickly you have to but i think there is always something about trying to think of a solution and and setting up the information that you need that will help the whole business um you know in the end um and as it kind of crosses over into other things and i think also just asking for help um, speaking in kind of associations and you know we try and help our clients to kind of give examples of how others have done it I think sometimes there's too much of not talking about you know issues and actually just asking for help and thinking consulting with others um, and collaborating on some of these points because I think that it makes a, a big difference P people are generally talking about the same issues at the minute that's some great practical advice there. Thank you so much both. Really fascinating discussion. Um, if this conversation has got you thinking about how you can address your own supply chain challenges or what it could mean for your industry, please visit our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash industry and focus, where you can find out more about the work that we're doing to support businesses right across this agenda, as well as wider practical insights. And of course, thank you to everyone for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to keep up to date with future episodes. Thanks everyone and please tune in again soon.